The following was a recorded sermon delivered by Elder Mark Green and Elder James Isaacs on Wednesday, June 2nd, 2021, Fort Smith Primitive Baptist Church, 2201 South Houston Street, Fort Smith, Arkansas. It is indeed a pleasure to be here this evening. This is my first time back since things got restarted here on this service and I'm very happy. I think we pretty much have all of the non-Sunday morning services back going now and uh, very thankful for that because uh, they have played a very important part in the fellowship, maintaining the communication that we have, correspondence between the churches. I want to look at a passage of scripture and make a few comments about about preaching if I understand anything about it at all which sometimes I wonder it certainly is not profitable for us to question or criticize God's methods that's we're, we're defeating ourselves before we get started. But I have to admit that there are times when I don't understand God's ways of doing things. I don't understand why he chose to do things the way he did, and one of them is preaching. It has always puzzled me. Why? You know, God spoke from the burning bush to Moses. Evidently, audibly. I mean, there was a sound that Moses could hear, and God talked to him. And everything that he said was right. Why doesn't God always do it that way? I mean, I'd obviously give way in a moment if we were going to hear the actual voice of God, but that's not the way he chose to do it. And the Apostle Paul, in the first chapter of the Ephesian letter, says that he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. God's way of doing it is the wise way and the prudent way of doing it. So I cannot criticize the way that he did it. Thought, why not? You know, angels have spoken unto men. Why didn't God have angels come every time we have a church service? I mean, in one sense he does, but I'm talking about the heavenly angels preach to us. But that's not the way he did. God calls sinful men to preach the gospel. Now, in the third chapter of 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul talks about uh, that. The, one of the problems, and evidently one of the biggest problems in the church at Corinth, was that there were divisions that were coming up in the church because of people starting to uh, give in to a party spirit with regard to the ministry. Now when I say party, I'm not talking about a celebration. I'm talking about as in politics, political parties. Uh, lining up with some particular individual. Now, we've got three elders here this evening. You might pick a particular verse out of the Bible. Might be able to find one in this chapter. I don't know. And ask the three of us about that and we would not all three agree with one another on that. And, and uh, uh, if, if you ask Brother Steve and me 
and we were disagreed, Brother James might say, well, I, if he's honest, say, well, I agree with him, one or the other. Or he might say, I don't agree with either of them. So, when, since we are not all knowing, sometimes we're going to be wrong. And sometimes our ministers are going to have different opinions. Uh, and so, that's to be expected. As long as we're here in this body, our knowledge is not going to be perfect. And we're going to have uh, disagreements uh, of, of what verses mean or how to handle certain things, one thing and another. When that begins to take, get to the point that it's starting to divide the church. Now, at, at some point, it ought to divide the church. If a man gets to preaching heresy, then that ought to divide the church because those that are sound need to withdraw. A heretic, after the first and second admonition, reject. That's going to be a division in the church whenever that rejection comes. I mean, you're going to be at least at least one person short. But now, the three of us have differing gifts, and and I'm very thankful that that's the case. I would hate to think that these other brethren were burdened with my shortcomings uh, but even apart from our shortcomings uh, there's a variety in the preaching now be honest if I started listing ministers that you know if I had a list of 100 ministers that you know and you go down through there you're going to say oh, I like that one I get, I get more out of the preaching of that one than I do out of this one I mean I know that's the case because I sat and discussed it with brethren before. I mean, my own son that grew up in my house and and uh, he and I, you know, talk about it. I said, well, you know, he's okay, but I just don't get much out of his preaching, one of the other psalmists will say. Oh, well, I really like him. Well, that's not difficult to understand why Preachers are not all exactly the same because the people that they're preaching to are not all the same. Now, somewhere back in my past, and it might have been in college, I don't know, we had to study how people learn. Probably it had to do with, I probably took a course in educational psychology at some point as far as I know that's the only fact that I remember out of that course if that's where it was largely a waste of time uh, for me I'm not saying it wasn't a waste of time I didn't get much out of it but one of the things that we learned was is that some people are very visually oriented and they have to be able to see it to learn as well as they can learn, to maximize their learning. Now, I'm that way. I suspect that most people are that way. If I'm reading a, a book, a story, a narrative, as a narrative, I have to picture it. You know, if, if, uh, if, you know, it's a cowboy story and they're riding down through a canyon. I'm seeing that canyon. I may not, what I'm seeing may not be right, but I've got to see something to be able to follow it. I, I'm a visually oriented person. Other people, they tell us, are 
auditorily oriented, they, they, they hear. They learn when they hear. If you tell them a story, that's how they're going to learn it. Other people are, and I don't know what the term for this would be, but they've got to be emotionally engaged at some point in order to be able to learn. You've got to get a hold of their feelings for them to do that. Now, and, and in all honesty, probably there's aspects of all of those that go into all preaching, but if you go down and think about the preachers that you know, there'll be some of them that'll be one way and there'll be some of them that'll be another way and there's people that like some of them. I won't say they like them or dislike them, but they just get more out of their preaching because of the manner of their preaching. Now, I'm going to charge you here with something. I think we are very foolish if you have a young preacher coming along to, if he's trying to imitate some preacher, be a, be a, be a sound-alike, we call them a look-alike. I've known of a few preachers that tried to be Sonny Powell's look-alike, and it just didn't work. It worked for Brother Sonny, it didn't work for anybody else. And so we don't want them being that. Now, it's not, it's not wrong to copy the best aspects of a man's preaching and learn from that and certainly to discard anything that might not be helpful. But we don't want them being phony. The, 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 the effect and the impact and the power of a man's preaching comes because God put that preaching gift in a certain human being with a certain personality and certain abilities and, and, and certain ways of preaching. Amen. People talk different now. You know, every once in a while, when Brother James is preaching, I'll hear his grandfather. I may, may, you know, maybe a sentence or two, but there's certain, certain I'll say, boy, I sound like his, you know, old Brother Isaac. But that's to be expected. They grew up to, you know, together. We typically sound like our kinfolks. And, you know, he wasn't a bad person to copy anyway. But Brother James doesn't, doesn't preach just exactly like his grandfather did. He didn't try to copy him in, in every respect as far as the manner of his preaching was concerned. And that was wise. We don't need to do that. Because if God is calling men to preach, he's calling those men to preach. If he was going to call somebody that's going to be exactly like I am and just, could just call me again, do me over again, Copy me and let's start all over again. You know, the Apostle Paul, he can preach better than any of us anyway, just recycle the Apostle Paul. But you know, I suspect, I suspect that there, well, I know it. I said, suspect nothing. I know for a fact that there were people in Paul's day who didn't like Paul's preaching as much as they did Apostles' preaching. Apostles was evidently a very able preacher, powerful preacher. And some men said, well, I'm a Paul. Others said, I'm a Paulus. You know. Others just said, well, I'm not going to be a party man. I'll just say I'm of Christ. Well, we should all want to be of Christ. But anyway, we'll take time on that. So God calls men to preach. 
Now, I have never, I, I, I could probably count on my fingers a number of times I've listened to a recording of myself preaching. It's just painful. Because you listen to it and you say, that is awful. <laughs> you know? Do I, did I really sound that bad? So I, I, I don't like to do that. Don't enjoy doing that. But it probably, in all honesty, would be helpful to, to remove some of the distracting things that we do in the course of our preaching. You know, a lot of times we get nervous while we're preaching and we'll repeat certain phrases over and over again. My, my uh, natural family, the females in the family, uh, criticized me a good bit over the years because I do this a lot. And the women are safe, see. You get a lot more criticism from the sisters than you do from the brethren because the brethren have to be careful because God might call them to preach one of these days. But the sister are never, sisters are never in danger of that, you know. So, uh, I've been a little bit silly, excuse me. But God raises up. Now, you think about churches that, that you know that have had a succession of ministers. Now, uh, the only pastor Brother James ever had, believe it or not, he's only had one pastor in his life, was Elder Howard Cartwright. I always enjoyed listening to Brother Howard preach. I thought he was a very effective preacher, but he was not a polished preacher. But he got it done. And I enjoyed listening to him. It seemed like the folks at Reveille profited from his labors that were there. But he was sandwiched in between, you know, Brother Isaacs and Brother James, but he wasn't like either one of them at all. But the folks benefited from his preaching. Brother Cal wasn't like anybody I've ever heard. He was totally unique preacher. But everybody loved Brother Cal's preaching. Now, I would say, probably, that if you had to pigeonhole Brother Cal, he probably fell into that third category of the emotional connection. Brother Cal would tell you a story and get you hooked there and make his point while your emotions were engaged and your interest was engaged in that way. That's, that's an effective way of preaching. Sometimes we criticize sentimental preaching, typically sentimental preaching, Preaching doesn't teach as much from an intellectual standpoint as other types of preaching, but there are there is teaching at different levels other than intellectual, the intellectual level. You can teach at the emotional level. Now, but but Paul goes on here and says, I'm a Paul, I'm a Paul. He says, Are you not carnal? He doesn't mean carnal there in the sense that he uses the word in the eighth chapter of Romans. They that are in the flesh cannot please God. There he's talking about carnal means dead in trespasses and sins. That means folks that, that cannot do what is right. They that are in the flesh cannot please God. Here he's talking about people that are acting according to their sinful natures. Now, that, now we know that uh, these people that he's talking to here at Corinth were not dead in trespasses and sins because he calls them babes in Christ. They were in Christ. They were just babes. And they were carnal in that sense. Now notice what he says here. Who then is Paul? And who is Apollos? But ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. That's all they are. 
That is preachers that God used to bring you to the point of believing the gospel. Not of having faith. The Holy Spirit does that. But of giving mental assent to the truths of the gospel. They preached it to you. They made a connection with your understanding. You believed it. And hopefully professed it. He says, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, nor he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. The fellow, the fellow that preaches the gospel to the folks at the first is not the one. The first person that comes along after him and preaches it is not the one. Now, I thought about this. The, the, uh, in, in the fourth chapter of the Ephesian letter, the Apostle Paul says this. Uh, he said, when he ascended up on high, uh, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men, and he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Now, I don't know if I'm a pastor, but I'm sure not an evangelist. I'm, and, 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 and I say that. Now, though I am not an evangelist, I assume that God requires of me to do what Paul told Timothy to do, he didn't tell Timothy he was an evangelist, but he said do the work of an evangelist. Now what do you mean by that? That means that from time to time, every minister is going to come across situations where it's new ground. And he's going to have to play on the new ground. Have, have babes in Christ that either have never heard the gospel or at least don't understand the gospel, and he's going to have to bring them along. So even though he, even a, you know, all three of us have been pastoring the churches where we serve for a good many years. But from time to time we're going to come across somebody that's new in their understanding. And so we'll need to do the work of an evangelist. But I'm not an evangelist. Now, I've known some of our ministers that, in my humble opinion, had that particular calling. It is, it's the calling to the ministry, but it's just a subset, subcategory, pigeonhole of that where a men are particularly gifted, their gifts are particularly suited to that work and they have a burden for that type of work. I couldn't do it. You get me out on the edge of the Prairie Baptist landscape where I can't see my brethren on a regular basis and I'd dry up. I couldn't exist that way. You know, what work where, well, I'll be honest with you, but I, I, in August I'm supposed to go up, I had I'm supposed to have done it last year, but we got COVIDed out, but I'm supposed to go up to the annual meeting at the little church up there in Iowa where my daughter Sarah used to attend, and uh, and Brother David Burris is their pastor. Now, Brother David is a good brother. He's sound, he's, a, he's an able man, have high respect for him, but he is on the outside edge of the primitive Baptist landscape. There's not many folks around. You go north, there's nobody. I, I couldn't do that. I don't mind visiting them every once in a while, but I couldn't live up there. I won't be where I can look around in every direction I can see and find old Baptists. So it takes somebody with just a little bit different personality to do that kind of work. Now, Brother David's not doing an evangelistic work particularly up there, but kind of he is. You know, in, in a sense. Now, 
So a pastor's got to be an evangelist, but an evangelist's got to be a pastor. Because if he constitutes a church, gathers a group of people together, until he moves on, he's got to be a pastor to them. He's got to do what a pastor would have done to them, teach them, nurture them, care for them, watch over them. I mean, whether or not a church is constituted by that time, he's got to do that work. So it's not a, it's not a, you know, a black and white situation, but those, the, the, the works overlap and the abilities no doubt overlap. But, now, one other point I want to make, Brother James. Because you don't want your preachers to be trying to be a imitator of other people, you have to let them be who they are. And they have to preach like that means that you may say that Mark Green's the silliest sounding preacher you ever heard, and I'll try to do better, but until I get better, I am what I am. Now, you can say I'm not your favorite type of preacher. Well, you've got two choices. Either you can ask me to change and become phony, or you can change and listen better. You can switch your listening on. Now, a lot of preachers preach at a fast rate of speed. A lot of preachers preach at a slow rate of speed. I know some preachers that preach at a real slow rate of speed. You've got to slow your listening down. You have to listen on the same speed they're preaching. That's just how you do it. That's how you get something out of it. If you've got a preacher that's a sentimental preacher that falls into that third category, then you listen with your heart. You try to get into the emotions that he's bringing. You have to suit your listening to the particular gifts of a minister. God called him. Yeah, now we can do better than we do. But whatever type of preacher he is, that's how we listen. Now, if you want to be, I'll tell you right now. If you just bow up and say, I'm just not going to listen to preachers unless they're the kind of preacher I like to listen to. I have favorites. I'm like everybody else. But if you say I'm not going to listen, then you're going to get one-sided way out of kilter. I'm just not going to listen to preachers that are not the style of preachers that I like to listen to. I'll give you, give you a story. And if, uh, this is the way I remember him telling it. If I've got it wrong, if this be before and after. The first association that old brother Isaacs attended was probably the uh, Mountain Springs Association right after the, the year he was baptized, I suspect. And at that meeting, he said they put up Brother Casey and then Brother C.M. Monk. Now that might have, the, 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 that order might be reversed. That was wrong. Okay, Brother C.M. Monk first and Brother, now Brother Casey, of course, was a strong doctrinal preacher. Brother Isaac liked doctrinal preachers. Brother Monk was more of an experimental preacher. And evidently the Lord really blessed Brother Monk. I mean, he just preached the cows home. And Brother Isaac said, oh, I sure am. You know, now, now, he's read Brother Casey's writings, but he's never heard Brother Casey preach. He doesn't know how good a preacher he was. At that point, at least from first-hand experience. So he, so he, uh, Oh, brother, he preached, and he said, I'm so, I sure feel sorry for the fellow that's going to have to follow him. 
of course, Brother Casey gets up, and he's one of the ablest preachers we ever had. And he gets up there, and he starts shelling the corn. He says, well, I don't know. And he used to feel sorry for him. You had two men with very diverging styles of preaching, but they were both excellent preachers, very able preachers. And Brother Isaacs was honest enough to admit that he was tremendously blessed by both of them. And, and wonderfully blessed. Well, that's how, it, that's how it works when it's working like it's supposed to work. And God raises up men. And, and, and we, we kind of we raise them. You know, they'll each have a pastor, but we kind of raise them by committee. We ought to have our, their interests at heart. We ought to nurture all of them and bring them along the very best that we can. Uh, as we go, come here. Few years ago, I talked about prayer at home one Sunday, and the brother that I called on to dismiss the service said, <laughs> "Kind of like having an exam right after the lecture." <laughs> brother Mark's been talking about preaching now. I'm supposed to try uh, to do that. <coughs> He quoted an expression from the Apostle Paul in the Ephesian letter where Paul said when he ascended up on high he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Some he gave apostles, to some evangelists, to some prophets, some pastors and teachers. Uh, and then he tells us what, what those gifts are to accomplish. In the 12th verse, now of that fourth chapter, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. <clears throat> there is a purpose God intends a man to accomplish when he calls him to preach, when he gives him a gift, a preaching gift. Now notice what Paul said, the work that the man who has been called of God to preach the gospel is to do. He is to perfect the saints. He's to do the work of the ministry. And he is to edify that means to feed, to nourish, to uh, bring up, strengthen the body of Christ, the church. He's to edify the church. With, with a goal in mind. There's a goal that a preacher ought to have for the church. <coughs> Till we all come in the unity of the faith. And of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight and cunning, uh, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, 
which is the head, even Christ. So a, a man who has been called as God to preach the gospel has a responsibility for the perfecting of the saints. Now that's not the same perfecting that Paul has in mind in Hebrews 10.14 when he said, For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. But he rather has in mind something like Jesus had when he left the apostles to perfect that which was lacking in the church. To bring to a completion. Now we sometimes say that Jesus set up the church that he gave it everything that it needed uh, and that we ought not add anything to it. Well, there are a couple of things that the apostles took care of after Jesus ascended back to heaven. There had never been a deacon. Had never been a mention of a deacon when Jesus ascended back to heaven. But the apostles no doubt with divine sanction, instituted the office of deacon in the church, gave instructions, gave commandments as to how that office was to function, how the men to fill that office were to be selected. And incidentally, they are selected by the church. They are not, they are not the recipients of a peculiar gift from God to enable them to serve that, that, that office. I, I run across that idea sometimes among our people that, that God gives men, some men gifts to preach, He gave other men gifts to be deacons. That's just not, that, that's just not the way that works. They, they are elected by the church, selected by the church, must meet certain qualifications. But now, <clears throat> A man's preaching is to edify the body. <clears throat> to edify the body. There is to be food in his preaching for the church where he's preaching. Now if he's doing the work of an evangelist and he's outside the uh, locale of the church, there ought to be food in it for those who hear him. The apostle told the young preacher Timothy to take heed unto thyself and to the doctrine and continue in them. For in so doing thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Timothy could save himself from falling away and becoming useless in the kingdom of God by taking heed to himself. There are things we need to pay attention to, ministers do, about ourselves. Now, Brother Marks mentioned one thing that we might, each of us, uh, need to be careful about. And that is that we may develop habits that are distracting to the congregation. <clears throat> there are a number of young brethren across the country who get a lot of entertainment value out of imitating certain preachers. And I'm on the list that they, they all 
feel obligated apparently to learn to imitate. And, you know, I, I, they don't do it in front of me ordinarily, but once in a while somebody will tell me, well, you, you really ought to hear that, that brother imitate you. He, he really has you down. Well, you know, I, I, I wish I, I didn't have such a mannerism and such a voice inflection that made me such an easy target because that probably distracts uh, from the message that I would love to deliver. But it is what it is. Now, uh, I, I was in uh, Florida a year or two ago, three or four years ago, and an old brother there, he's uh, 90 now, uh, so he was well up in years when, when I, this event occurred. I went into his home before the meeting started. I was with the pastor. And he picked me up at the airport, and we went by this brother's house uh, before we went on to, to service that night. And that brother's heard me try to preach a number of times over the last uh, few years. So he, he was complimenting me, telling me he was glad I was there. And he said, why don't you just go ahead and say all right three or four times before you start with you? <laughs> I didn't have a clue what that meant. But, but as I tried to preach, I found out that I had developed the habit of when I make a point and ready to move, I say all right. Now I've tried to break that. <laughs> like you all know more about how successful I've been breaking that than I do. Uh, if he hadn't pointed it out to me, I would never have known it. But it's no doubt distracting. So I, I you know, need to work on getting rid of that. But if I don't know the doctrine of the Lord Jesus, if I've not studied the doctrine, thought about it, pondered it in my mind, I'll never be able uh, to preach that uh, to the benefit of the church. So Paul said to Timothy, you take heed to yourself and to the doctrine and continue in them. Now, <clears throat> you know, uh, <clears throat> Mark, I've been preaching over 40 years. Uh, <clears throat> we'll just leave it at that. We'll say how much over. But we've been pastoring the churches we pastor over 40 years. Uh, and... and <clears throat> It gets a little bit old sometimes uh, to preach the same things over and over. And, and there's the, the human desire, the fleshly desire, ought to get to something new. But we don't have any new doctrine. There's no new textbook. Now, we've not learned everything in this textbook yet. But... <clears throat> And, and we need to have fresh thoughts and, and fresh applications of the Scripture. But we need to continue in the doctrine. Now, I, I'm, I'm going to say that Mark and I were especially blessed in our youth to grow up under the preaching of very able men. And, and that's going to help along the way that we heard men preach who were solid and sound in the doctrine 
and able to teach it quite well. But, but you know, it's the same doctrine today that we were hearing in our youth. And we must continue in it. And the day we depart from it, we'll lose something. We won't be in a position to be delivered from becoming useless or harmful to the church of God. So he said, you do that and you can save yourself and them that hear thee. You knew that, Timothy. Now, uh, the Apostle Paul writes again to Timothy uh, in the uh, second book of Timothy, uh, chapter 2, verse 10, I think. He said that uh, concerning himself. He said, I endure all things. Now, Paul endured a great deal. He endured uh, fastings, he endured hunger, he endured uh, uh, deprivation, he endured poverty, he endured being beaten, he endured being stoned, he endured being shipwrecked, he endured being in prison, he endured uh, uh, the uh, accusations of false brethren, uh, he, and he endured the care of all the churches. Why? Why would he do that? Well, because God called him and that's what you have to do to be faithful. He didn't give that as the reason that he did it. He, he, sure he wanted to be faithful. He was faithful. He discharged a duty toward God. But he had a reason for doing that. And the reason was that he might uh, <coughs> enable the elect to obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Now, that they may also obtain, he said, he, that, that, that salvation which is in Christ Jesus, with, he, he didn't do anything that they may obtain eternal glory, but that other salvation that's in Christ Jesus. I tell you, preaching of the gospel has as its target, as its goal, as its purpose, that God's people in the church may be saved. Why does the church exist anyway? Why did God give us a church here in the world? What's it all about? Well, Paul gives us a, an expression in the uh, third chapter of Ephesians, right where I am. We'll have to go looking for this one. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we're able to ask or think, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus. I, 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 some folks, I think, get a little confused sometimes about the relationship that exists in the Trinity. I don't know the right words to use when we come to the Trinity. I, there's a lot about it I'd like to know more about. But, but there is a glory that is to be given to God the Father by the church and we can only do that uh, by, by Christ Jesus. 
It's not this, this expression of Paul. He's not talking about giving glory to Jesus. He's talking about giving glory to God the Father and doing that by Christ Jesus. Yeah, I got the fact in front of you. You'll have to give me the, 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 the explanation, I guess, of the fact. But, but think about that. Ponder that. But how long is that supposed to go on? Under the end of this world. Paul said, world without end. Now, that's right. But I tell you, my friend, there is a function, there is a role, there is a purpose of the church uh, to be a benefit to God's little children while they live here in the world. And when God calls men to preach, he calls them for the benefit of the other children of God, not the preacher. And look, there is a benefit to the preacher. He can feed to some extent on his own preaching sometimes. <coughs> you know, some men are so... I don't mean to be tacky, but some men are so cautious they don't ever accomplish much. But when a man's preaching, uh, he needs to be able to trust the Lord uh, to give him thoughts that would be of benefit to folks. One time, Brother Hartson Casey was up preaching and preaching powerfully and well. And I don't remember what expression he made, but he said something. And he stopped and he said, whoa, let me think about that a minute. And he stood there with his head down a minute and kindly pondered it. And he said, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I declare, Arthur, he said, you taught yourself something. <laughs> <laughs> and what happened? He was following the leadership of the Spirit. He was discussing the text. A thought occurred to him he never had before, but it, it came out. And he realized he hadn't really ever thought about that. He evaluated it and said, yeah, that's right. That's right. Taught himself something. I think the Lord told him that on the spot. I really do. But you know the Lord sent Peter one time to do a work. What did he tell Peter to do? He said, uh, Peter, feed my legs. Feed my legs. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. What's Peter going to do? That's not talking about an agricultural pursuit. Peter's being told to go preach the gospel to those new converts, young children of God, and to the old established in the truth and in the faith. You go feed them, Peter. Well, you know, uh, old folks don't always like the same kind of preaching young folks like. <clears throat> young folks will get excited sometimes about one kind of preaching that won't do much for old folks. Peter has the responsibility of feeding the, the lamb and the sheep. I don't believe he used the creek feeder. I, I think Peter preached the gospel in a way there was something in it for the young, the tender, the newcomers, 
There was something in it for the age to well establish. And if there's a point in a discourse that doesn't seem applicable to you, consider that there may be somebody else in the house who really needed that point to do it. Just because it didn't do anything for you right at the minute, didn't mean it didn't do anything for anybody. Preachers don't always understand why thoughts occur to us. And then you try to preach and somebody comes around and says, well, I read that last week and I couldn't quite get it. And you cleared it up. That's why it was there. Lord had a sheep, needed to have a point made clear, had, needed a certain kind of feet, needed a certain supplement to their diet. Under all things for the elect's sakes, that they may also obtain. Now, pardon, give it to them, but he put it out there for them so that they could obtain this salvation. All the preaching in the world will help a man who won't listen to it. All the preaching in the world won't help an individual who won't heed what he hears preached. Be ye not forgetful hearers, but be ye doers of the word, James said. You know the best way to, to remember something is to practice it. If I don't practice it, I'll forget it. I've been real good at that in my life. I, I've had an extraordinary ability to cram stuff into my head, pass the test, and walk out of the classroom and never think of it again. <laughs> I've got, I've got about eight years of college under my belt and I didn't retain much. <laughs> I, you know, I, I made the grades, but but I don't want to do God's word that way. I, I, somehow or another it holds a different level of interest for me. I want to consider it, I want to ponder it, I want to read it again and again and again. When I started the college, I kept all my textbooks. I wouldn't sell them back. Might need to look at them again. I finally just threw them away here a while back. What in the world? Just gathering dust on the bookshelf. Been 50 years now since I bought some of them. A little over. Good bit over. <coughs> Hadn't read them in 50 years, probably not going to. <laughs> Time to get rid of them. Didn't remember I ever had them. Didn't remember what they were about. Don't know who the, prof who the professor was in the course. You know. Move it. Time to move on. Not the Bible. Not this book. I won't have it before me. I won't spend time with it every day. I want to think about and ponder what's in it throughout the day because I know it'll save me. And it'll save those that hear me if the Lord bless me to preach it. I thank you for your good attention. Amen.